an informal poll of my blog listeners and readers, and it turns out that the audio versions are the most popular. And so as a result of that, uh, I'm going to make a couple more audio versions here. One of the things I've been thinking about is providing you all some more resources for when you get inside the interrogation uh, portion. So uh, one of the things that I talk about is how storytelling is really important. And this may not seem obvious uh, to some people, uh, but when you get into the interrogation, uh, that's when the interview has turned accusatory. So at this point, you've said, hey, look, investigation is complete and you did it. Or our every indication is that you did it. Something to that effect, right? You've accused them. And so um, typically, especially if you're looking at the read technique, something like that, uh, the direct positive accus- uh, confrontation, uh, which is also known as the accusation, is followed by a behavioral pause. Uh, and then you're going to go into storytelling. So uh, read technique describes this as theme building. Uh, I think storytelling is also really useful. So, so basically you've, you've gotten to a point where throughout the interview, you've been asking tough questions. Uh, you've been digging into details, uh, some of which they wish they didn't have to talk about. Uh, some of them, they might've been enthusiastic to talk about, but one way or another, uh, at the end of the interview, you thought that it was reasonably certain, uh, that they were guilty. And so you moved into an interrogation. Now, um, the interrogation is going to start with an accusation of some sort, you know, Hey, look, this is complete and you did it or however you want to phrase that. And then, uh, basically you are going, um, you are then providing them a couple of things. One, a reason why they should talk to you because many people upon hearing, uh, that there's no doubt that they did it might wonder why should they talk to you anymore? Uh, So you're going to give them a reason. And a lot of times we'll say something to the effect of, um, now with all this being done, the reason that I want to talk to you is I want to figure out the reason why. I know what happened. I know where it happened. I know who it happened to and I know who did it. Uh, I just don't understand why. And I think that it's important to get to the bottom of that. Now, uh, anybody who's, um, uh, you know, dug into this some will know that it doesn't actually matter from a legal standpoint the reason why they did it. It only matters that they did do it um, and how you're going to prove it. So, uh, so yes, from a, a curiosity standpoint, uh, well, basically at that at that point, you've given the person a uh, a reason why you want to talk to them. Okay, even if uh, you happen to know that it's not actually necessary to know the reason why. Um, it shows a person, you know, hey, you're interested, and it it gives them some sort of motivation to talk. Uh, because otherwise, they might sit there and think, well, the only reason they want to talk to me is they want to get a confession, which is probably not going to be great for me. Um, so uh, what I do after the accusation is I move into storytelling. Um, and one technique that I'll do is that I'll quickly uh, transition into retelling them their story uh, with slightly different um, phrasing. So let's say, for example, you were investigating a robbery that happened last Friday night uh, downtown at 7th and Cedar. Okay, so you're investigating this robbery and, uh, you know, it involves somebody pointing a gun and another person taking their money, right? Pretty simple. So, uh, so you might come in after you've done the interview and you might say, Hey, look, this investigation is complete. And 
you definitely pointed your gun at that man and took his stuff. Now, the reason I want to talk to you is I want to figure out the reason why. And here's where I'll transition into just telling them their story again, but slightly different. So again, we're talking about an armed robbery happened last Friday night at 7th and Cedar. Somebody pointed a gun and sold their stuff, right? So that's the the bones of what happened. And so uh, what you can dig into there is you say, look, this investigation is complete. There's no doubt you pointed a gun at that man and took his wallet. Now, uh, the thing that I've been thinking about throughout this situation is another robbery that I investigated um, where basically there was a guy who was down on his luck. Um, Once we talked, I felt like I really understood him a lot better. And uh, this guy had had a couple of unlucky years. He had a couple unlucky turns. Uh, He had lost his job. His wife had walked out on him. And basically he got left with not much of anything. And he came across a gun at a friend's house. The thought came into his mind that maybe he could make a little bit of money. And yeah, he borrowed that gun. And then he uh, went out into the outskirts of Austin and he found somebody who was just hanging out. And even though this is totally against anything that he's ever done before, at this moment of desperation, he pointed his gun at that guy and he took his stuff. Now, when I think about that story and I think about how it relates to you, uh, it's something that I understand a whole lot better. Now, somebody who's looking at your situation and was being uh, unkind about it might suggest that, you know, here he is, just some guy who's being greedy and pointing his gun at people and he doesn't care about anybody. A lot of times when I talk to people, they suggest that somebody who would do a crime like this is some sort of sociopath. Now, I know different because I've investigated a lot of these, and I know that a lot of decent people fall on hard times and make decisions that they wouldn't otherwise do. So in that other case that I investigated with the guy who was just down on his luck, once we talked about it, I understood him better as a person. And I think that that's something that we can do in your case, too, where we can help people understand what led you to point your gun at that person and take their stuff. Okay. And I think, and I believe, and my experience tells me that once you've discussed this and put it out there, people will see you as a more complete person. They're going to know a lot more about you. You will have filled in the details. And I think it's a lot harder to hate somebody when we understand them. Okay. It is always harder to dislike somebody that we, um, that we understand. Um, and so I think that that's what we need to do here in this situation. Okay. So pausing the monologue, um, this is me thinking off the top of my head, but it's, but it's, uh, if you see the process there is, uh, we've just accused them. And if you think, um, the natural reaction would be for somebody to want to deny it, say, no, I didn't do it, whatever. Um, now if those denials come up, you want to pause those denials, hold your hand up, tell them you'll get back to them, whatever it is, because once you're in the interrogation, you're not trying to listen to what they're saying. You need to start selling your story. And so one of the easy things to do is you'll talk about another case. And again, you have now told them essentially what their story is. And in this other person's case, you've suggested a certain amount of, uh, you know, understanding or things worked out or, you know, this person was down on their luck, and the girl broke up with them and whatever. Um, but, uh, But what's amazing is that you don't have to plan that much for it because you're just going to tell this person their story, but with another person. Now, 
this gives you some time to talk because that can go on for two, three, four, five minutes. Um, all of which is letting your accusation uh, marinate, right? You put it out there and now you're just, you're just letting it soak. Okay. You're just letting it be there. And the longer that you can get there, um, the longer you can let it sit there before they're going to shut you down. Uh, the more likely you are to be successful. Okay, so um, one technique that I found, especially um, this is something that I was talking about in a uh, discussion I was leading the other day on, on interview and interrogation, is that it is common uh, for me and for everybody else that I know to feel nervous when they walk inside the room to accuse somebody. I don't know about y'all. I'm not a particularly confrontational person in my own personal life. Okay, so it's a big deal to go in there and accuse somebody of something awful. Okay, so it is also common uh, to be in there and to kind of trip over your words. Or um, I, I remember my first interrogation once I'd accused the person, uh, I couldn't believe it when their head nodded and I just looked at it and I said, oh, this is, oh, he actually did it. And so uh, I sort of stumbled around for words and eventually got it and was able to, to get what I needed out of that. Um, but. So this is one technique, okay? So the first technique I want to give you all today is to uh, practice after the accusation, just tell them their story again, but say it in a third, uh, like it happened to a third person, a third party person, okay? So um, no matter what it is, let's say a father is accused of performing oral sex on his child, right? Um, so... You might come in and you might say, hey, look, this investigation is complete and you did this, okay? There's no doubt about it and I'm not here to talk about whether it happened or didn't happen. It definitely happened, but I want to figure out the reason why because what I figured out in investigating similar cases to this, let me give you an example. I investigated a case with a father uh, who had been accused of performing oral sex on his kid and this father, once he came in, he talked to me about how how this happened and how this led into where this where this came from and he talked about how his wife had been really distant she had been pregnant and then after pregnancy after they gave birth to their nearest kid uh, she had been much more distant she had had some depression and some other things and now she's she's totally unavailable and here is is a guy in this other case that i investigated who's in the prime of his life he's out there working he's out there doing hard hard labor type jobs and he comes home and all he wants is a little bit of peace and quiet, and a little bit of affection, which is not a lot to ask for. OK, and she was not able to give that to him at that time. And, you know, what happened at that point is that his stepdaughter uh, began to fill some of those roles around the house. She started cooking. She started cleaning. She started preparing uh, his meals and greeting him at the door all while his wife was hiding in a back room and she was not available for him and when I investigated that case when he finally got to the point that he felt comfortable telling the truth to me he told me that in his mind he lost track of what the right thing to do was okay and as this developed he began to think of his stepdaughter uh, who was not that much younger than he was um, as his wife because she was doing those wifely roles. His wife had essentially disappeared off the map. And he told me that if you had told him a year before that pregnancy that something like this would ever happen, he would have told you you're crazy. 
uh, he would have said, not me, never. That's disgusting. I don't want to, that's never going to happen. But when he looks back on it, he sees, when we finally talked about it, we're being honest about it. He told me that he saw the way that it happened. And I understood him as a person, as a person. I could see how he got where he was and I was not there to judge him. And that's the same thing with your case, as I am not here to judge you with the way that this happened. Um, okay, so we're going to break monologue there. And again, that's something that anybody can do that's going to give you that, that sort of uh, propulsion uh, after that initial accusation um, to where you're going to be able to talk some and develop these ideas. Uh, and as you can see, that's, well, you may not be able to see it, but I, I've done zero planning on, on any of these uh, monologues. I've just presented an issue. And then, you know, if I was talking to that person, obviously, if I'm in an interview room, I'm going to have a whole lot more details and I, I will have thought about this stuff in advance. Um, but it doesn't take much effort. Okay. You literally just tell them their story again and add one detail. You know, if it was his bio daughter, make it his stepdaughter. And it's a third party person that's, that they don't know. Um, and, um, you know, just tell them that story. So that's going to, that's going to buy you some time. And it's also going to start that process of, uh, minimizing and normalizing, uh, and allowing that person to know that, uh, you're not there to judge them. Okay. So once, uh, once you do that, you want to make sure a couple of things, one, avoid any sort of promises. Okay. One thing we never want to do in an interview room. We never want to threaten, no promises of leniency, and nothing that shocks the conscience. Okay, so be careful. Now, if you've listened to both of those little mini monologues that I came up with there, uh, where I was restating that person's story from a third, uh, third-party third perspective, is uh, I, I told that person that I could understand them as a person. Now, that is not me promising that I'm going to hook them up on this case, or that I'm going to talk to the prosecutor, or I'm going to... Uh, I'm not doing any of that, okay? Um, it does not, uh, anybody who's going to interpret that uh, as some sort of promise of leniency is wrong. That it, it is not, it's obviously not. And we can all, uh, you know, we can all understand that. So, so now at this point of an interrogation, when you've, uh, when you've accused them, and you've told this story, and this is where you're really going to build into your theme. Something that came up in the uh, roundtable the other day uh, is uh, one of the guys that I work with, who I think has a ton of promise, is an excellent investigator, uh, and is getting so much better at his uh, interrogations. Um, and also, is, he's probably going to listen to this. So if you're out there, you did a great job, man. Um, you know the issue is, and what I want to point at is that it is super common for people to rush into the alternative question. I've done it. Everybody that I know has done this inside an interview room. Um, and if you're following along with the read technique, it's like step six or seven, where you get into the alternative question. It's not step three. It's not step four. So, um, what we've talked about so far today is that accusation shutting down denials, and then building, telling stories, okay? Um, now, one of the things that I think can help with theme building is these sort of building blocks of, of stories uh, where we are looking to see which themes are really going to hit. We should have some idea based on the interview, um, but 
try this technique of after you accuse, go into this third party story, just literally tell them their story, uh, but act like it happened to a different person. And you're not going to come up with any outcomes where you're promising them anything, but you're just going to say, Hey, look, I can understand that person. I understood that person. And that's something that I think other thing, other people understand as well. Um, and then, uh, and then you're going to get into other stories. Okay. Um, Reed calls it theme building. I call it storytelling. And then, uh, ultimately we are going to fall into a theme. Um, so one of my last posts had to do with the missing puzzle piece, uh, and that's a kind of a building block of these stories that you can get in there and tell. And that's one of them. Uh, I'm going to post in a separate interview uh, or a separate audio. I'm going to post a new building block that I came up with today while I was out there uh, uh, doing my, my, my run. And I had this idea that, uh, of, of a new building block. Um, but so all these building blocks, what I want you to do with these, anybody who's listening to this, is I want you to, to gather these or and make your own. You don't have to use mine, okay? I, I highly recommend you use something, whether it be a news story or a, anything that you're familiar with that you think illustrates a point well. And uh, you want to practice those, okay? And you only need a few. If you have, the more you have, the better, right? But you can get by just fine with three or four of these things and just use them all the time. Um, obviously, the more you have, the more you'll be able to adapt to new situations. Um, but so basically you're going to take these, these building blocks of, of, of stories, um, and you're going to plug them into this. Okay. And so that's going to get you past being nervous, not knowing quite what to say. Um, the easy part of an interrogation is shutting down denials. Okay. That's, that's the easy part. And I think a lot of us worry about it where we say, well, what if this guy does this or this or whatever? Um, just remember, and this is a principle, like a foundational thing for an interrogation, is that once you move into an interrogation uh, with denials, we're going to shut them down. If we get a bunch of them and they're increasing in scope and uh, forcefulness, um, we're going to reevaluate at some point and you know, ask ourselves, uh, is it possible that they're telling the truth? Um, and then, uh, but typically at least in the early part, especially in the interrogation, we're going to shut down those denials and uh, we're not going to listen to any new information that they're trying to include. And this is something I talk about where um, I've seen this in multiple interrogations where somebody's done a good interview, they've got a whole lot of details, and then they go into the interrogation, they're like, hey, look, you did it. And the person said, well, I couldn't have done it because I was in Hawaii at the time or whatever, right? They come up with some sort of alibi some sort of objection, some sort of something else, right? And then I and, and it will distract the interviewers. So they'll stop and be like, well, what do you mean you're in Hawaii? You told me you were in a, no, I didn't tell you I was telling you this. And then it's just this back and forth. And that's what they want, okay? They've Because they've made you take your foot off the gas. And on this one, it, it's full throttle, okay? Like it is you um, and you're the one that's gonna talk. So in that interview, you've tried to talk about 10 to 20% of the time um, and let them talk 80 to 90 uh, and it, it switches in the interrogation. This is you talking and you may ask them a rhetorical question or you may come up, like ask them a question that's rhetorical or ask them a question that deserves a, a one syllable answer. Um, but, uh, but this is you talking. Okay. And the longer you talk and the more that you keep bringing it back. Okay. When you tell a story in here, so you've accused them and now we've We've backed off some of the pressure, right? Because now we're talking about somebody else and they're listening because now they're, 
you know, a deceptive person that's been lying to you and, and, and might end up uh, telling you the truth or confessing to what happened. Um, they're listening and they're thinking, man, how am I going to fix this? You know, how am I going to resolve this? Um, what am I going to do to make this make sense to this person or whatever? Their brain is spinning at this point. So the longer you talk, the better. Anytime you tell a story, make sure you bring it back to them, right? So accuse them, tell this third party story, bring it right back. So, you know, with that other guy, his situation made it so people understood him. And that's why in your situation, I think that you and I together can come up with, with a way to describe your actions. There is some way to talk about your actions that makes sense. Okay. And I want to work with you and I want to do that because I want people to understand you because once people understand you, they can forgive you. They can separate you from your actions. And hopefully you can get back to a point where in society in general and and in your family in particular, that you can get back to where you want to be. Right. So you brought it back to him and now you might go into another story. Right. Um, Just as the thing is, you can also choose to go into a theme. um, And so for example, a common theme that I'll use is curiosity and opportunity. Again, I investigate child sexual abuse. Uh, there is physical abuse too. It's just that 90% of the cases are sexual abuse. So, so with the, uh, with those child sexual abuse, um, uh, one that I, I will use is a curiosity and opportunity. It's a theme that I will work on. So, so basically I'll, you know, accuse them. Um, I don't always, but this is becoming a, a much more common thing. Uh, and I expect to be using this more and more frequently where I'll launch into this third party story, uh, bring it back to them. And then I might start building, if I've chosen curiosity and opportunity, I might start building that out where I might say, Hey, look, you know, um, the reason that people end up in this situation is they end up in this situation because curiosity met opportunity. And let me explain that to you. When curiosity, we all, we're all curious. Anybody who has, uh, anybody who's married and says that they've never looked at another woman, uh, is lying. Okay. And, uh, and, but often what will happen is that they're, they're careful and they're smart and they don't put themselves, uh, where there's going to be any sort of opportunity where things are going to go, uh, go awry. Okay. Now, uh, there's other times too, where they're not curious, but there is an opportunity. Okay. They, they notice that a coworker is flirting with them or, uh, you know, somebody that they've come across out, out as they go about their daily lives, uh, is flirting with them and that might create an opportunity, but at that point they're not curious. Okay. They, they love their wife. Everything's great. And, they, and it's not, not an issue. Now what happens and where people start making these mistakes uh, where, where things go wrong is at that moment that curiosity and opportunity meet. And that's when really dangerous and bad things can happen. Okay. Um, these are people who, if they were just curious and there was no opportunity, there's no problem. Okay. And if they weren't curious and there was an opportunity, there's no problem. But at those moments where they're weak, maybe they've been drinking a little bit, maybe things aren't so good at home. And then, they let their mind slip into thinking of another person in a sexual way or in a relationship way. Um, and that opportunity comes in. Um, and that's where a lot of people make mistakes. Okay. And then I think that something like that might've happened in your situation. Okay. Because you strike me as somebody who goes to work, takes care of his family. This is somebody who is not just out there 
having sex with random strangers. So how did we end up at this situation where you had sexual contact with, uh, with a kid, you know, and, um, I'm telling you that, that anybody who is, who has arrived at this point, uh, this age in their life, uh, they have been curious about things that they shouldn't have been curious about. Okay. And everybody can understand that. I understand it. Anybody that I explain this case to is going to understand it, understand being curious. And anybody who's being honest with you is also going to talk about how they've had these uh, opportunities that have come up. Um, but, you know, things were good. Things, they were, they were in the right state of mind and they were able to resist those opportunities. Um, but it's, it's, it's when, so, so people understand those two basic building blocks of how this happened. People understand curiosity and people understand opportunity. Um, and what we need to explain to these people and what I want to explain and what I hope is true is that this is not something that you normally would have done. If you hadn't been presented the opportunity, if you hadn't been exploring porn sites that excited your curiosity, um, and if those things hadn't happened all at the same time, then I think that we can help those people who understand the building blocks of curiosity and opportunity. We can help those people look at this situation and say, I understand how that happened. Okay. And I think that anytime that you can present a situation where people can understand that, that you are, you're going the right direction. Okay. Um, so we're going to break that monologue there and you can just kind of see that, that there's, these are typical stories that, that we're going to tell inside an interview, just depending on what the theme is, right? So we're going to have these moments where, uh, we're, we're going to accuse them, try it, try a third person story. Uh, and then, uh, and then we come back in and we start building our theme, whether it's blaming the victim, curiosity and opportunity, um, whatever, whatever your theme is. Uh, now you're going to develop it. And then just as you, but just because you develop that theme doesn't mean that we're going to hit them with the alternative question right there. Okay. So, uh, so if I had gotten to the end of that curiosity and opportunity, that would not be the moment necessarily for me to say, Hey, look, are you this really awful person? Or are you this not so awful person? You're the not so awful person, right? Uh, which would be, you know, kind of a dumbed down alternative question. Uh, instead, until the fight is out of that person, okay? And I use this, I, I, I use this just in a, a metaphorical sense, okay? We're not fighting with these people physically, uh, you know, just in a metaphorical sense. You will see eventually that people um, stop, stop resisting this, uh, this, truth okay and that's where um and so you don't want to rush it so if you're still getting denials if you're still getting objections if you're still getting things like that um then you need to keep working and so if you come to the end of your theme and you're like oh they still have some left in them um you know they haven't gotten to a point where they look like they're ready to talk about it then go into another story use those building blocks that you have use the missing puzzle piece use this other use some of the other ones that i'm going to put out there um, and then come right back in and you're going to talk about, you could talk about another third person case, right? And so once you see the more that you talk and the more that you repeat to this person, you know, I know you did it. We need to figure out the reason why we need to get there. And once we get there, we're going to be in a better place. Okay. Um, 
And so you're just going to continue to, to, to make these rounds, basically, um, using chunks of information. So uh, these stories or these little side stories are, are, are chunks that you can remember, right? So your theme building, getting through that theme, uh, you know, the curiosity and opportunity, it took, what, two minutes or something? You may very well be in there for an hour talking, okay? But don't be disconcerted. You can literally just say the same things over and over again. And 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 what you, what you're doing is that when you use these building blocks, and when you and when you push through these points in the interrogation, um, you are taking somebody. And if you have hopefully judged rightly, uh, you know because you chose to interrogate because their guilt was reasonably certain. And when you take that person um, and you let them know, I know you did it. I know you did it, and I understand you. I'm not judging you. I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to humanize you. I'm ready to to help other people see how, the, how it was that this happened. And at the end of the day, you're going to look like a human that made a mistake, right? That's what you want. And if you keep going after it, I know you did this. There is no doubt that this happened. We're not here to talk about that. What we're here to talk about is we're here to talk about the reason why. And I think that I know the reason why, which is the themes that I'm selling you, right? And so as you go through those themes, um, just be aware, like stick with the theme for a little bit, uh, but you'll you'll see their body expressions. And if it looks like they are rejecting those themes, uh, you may need to adapt and switch it up to a different one. Um, you know, now you don't want to make it look like you uh, are just desperately throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. So hopefully you were observant during your interview and made some good choices and chose your interview correctly that way. If you did not, and you need to work, stick with that theme for a bit. But if it, but if you're getting those head shakes, no, as you're talking to the person, hey, look, maybe you, um, you know, maybe you're just curious or whatever, and you're getting those strong head shakes. No, curious. Why would I be curious about something like that? Um, stick with it for a bit, you know. But that might not be the theme. Okay, it might be the theme that they, I don't know, that they. Uh, um, the victim came on to them or whatever, what, whatever it is that's going to be the thing, you're eventually going to find it. And so you may need to switch themes, but ideally try to try to stick this one through, okay? And just realize that sometimes time is the answer, okay? And this is going to involve you talking. And you can do the talking when you know these chunks of stories that you can go into. Um, so another one is, uh, you know, I've written about it before, but I, I write about the Matt Gates story where, um, I'm not going to go into the whole monologue right now, but it's basically, there was a congressman who was accused of human trafficking. And when I read that story, I said, oh my God, human trafficking. And then <laughs> it's just, uh, I remember reading it and I was like, oh, he flew across state lines and had sex with his girlfriend who's legal in his state, but it wasn't in the other state. And like, it seemed like a big, it seems like a big nothing burger, right? But but basically, uh, what what you would go into if you use the Matt Gates story, uh, again, I I don't care about politics in in this blog. Okay, so so this is not a political thing, right? You're just taking a story of somebody that this was my own personal reaction as I read it. I said, man, human trafficking sounds pretty harsh, and you can use this story, and as you sell it to this person, you know whether the person's been accused of kidnapping or murder or whatever. It's like, man, murder, that seems really harsh. Look, you shot him and they died, but that wasn't what you went there to do. I mean, murder, like, I think that we might be looking at something more like, 
um, you know, this is really an argument that just got out of control. Gosh, murder. That sounds terrible, right? And so basically you don't want to be careful not to criminally excuse them. Okay. Um, but, uh, but, uh, you know, I've had success and I've watched my partners have success when they have people who are accused of kidnapping and it's like, man, kidnapping that, oh man, like think about this Matt Gates story and spend five, 10 minutes telling that story. And then you come back and you're like, look, I think your situation's pretty similar. You didn't kidnap her. I understand why you're not happy with that word. Okay. What you did is you picked her up and she wanted to go home and you didn't take her home right away. Okay. Now, anybody listening might hear the elements of kidnapping and that's because they're still there. Okay. So when you tell that story of, man, that sounds real harsh. Like, I think it might be something more like this. Um, sometimes for some people when their block is the phrasing, whether it's kidnapping, homicide, rape, whatever, whatever the phrasing is, um, you know, and, and this happens a lot. People come in and they'll say, man, rape, I don't know why they're accusing me of rape. I had sex with my girlfriend and then it turned out she was underage, right? Or, or whatever. And so the definitional component may be uh, what they have a problem with. And so that's where you could go into a Matt Gates story um, and another one. So I'm going to continue to put out some of these, uh, these little mini monologues and, um, you know, think about your, think about your own. You are welcome to use my stories. I don't care. I'm out here to, to help people uh, be more comfortable in the interview and interrogation room to have more success. Like I want y'all to be successful. Um, and I think that the victims that we represent, uh, I think that they deserve us doing our very best here. Okay. So, um, so use my stories. I don't care or make your own, whatever it is, just realize why you're doing it. Okay. So, so again, with the interrogation, just to wrap up what we've talked about today is that, um, you're going to have that direct accusation to start an interrogation. Hey, look, you did this. I'm done. I'm done acting like you didn't. Okay. You did do this and now we need to figure out the reason why. Okay. And we might go into a third party story. Somebody who's accused of robbery, you tell them exactly their story, but you say, look, I investigated a case for something like this, change a couple details so they don't start wondering why you're telling them their story in a third person, uh, a few small details that you can easily do on the fly, and then just tell them that at the end of that investigation, I understood where that person was, and I was able to appreciate them more as a person, even though I didn't like what they did. And I, as an investigator, was ever able to separate that person from their actions. And I felt totally comfortable talking to that person in the room because as I looked at that person and I talked to that person, whatever they did that was wrong, and they did some stuff that was wrong, is I was able to look at them as, as a whole human being apart from that action. And then at the end of that interview, we, sat, we stood there together and we looked back at what they had done wrong. And we both said, man, that was not right. That should not have happened. And that's where I want to get out with you because I think that when you can separate that, you can then go forward as a person that's, you know, whatever, right? So, so you've taken that third person story accusation, try the third person story. This is something I recommend, especially for uh, just giving you something to talk about, right? So you can make some progress and talk. And then, uh, and then you're going to go into your theme, right? You're going to start building your theme, whatever it is. Um, and then if you run out of stuff on your theme, tell some of these other stories, um, tell them another third person story, tell them, um, tell them 
the missing puzzle piece story. Tell them, tell them whatever it is, right? But this whole, this whole time you're making progress, even if it's not obvious. Okay. The longer that they let you talk, accusing them of some sort of felony crime, uh, the more progress you're making. Okay. And then once you get past the fight, once the fight is out of them and they look like they've gotten to an acceptance stage, that's when you're going to hit them with the alternative question, which is something we can talk about more at another time. But that's where essentially for those who don't want to go look it up right now, that's basically where you say, Hey, look, I investigate cases uh, of, I've investigated cases where guys walk around in vans, pick uh, pick up hookers, rape them, murder them, toss them on the side of the road. Uh, and those are people that I, I, have no idea how to deal with. I don't want to deal with them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to do like I, I have no desire to humanize or help them in any way whatsoever to achieve those ends. And then you have your other people who are dating girls younger than they, they should be and they have sex with them. And yeah, it's wrong, but they're not exactly picking up little kids or women on the side of the road, raping them and killing them. Okay. I like to think that you're somebody who just fell into a relationship with somebody who is too young. That's what happened, isn't it? You fell into a relationship with someone too young uh, or whatever, right? Your alternative question has to be related to your theme. Um, but essentially, there's here's these awful people that I don't want to deal with. And then here's somebody like you found themselves in a situation, got a little out of control. That's what happened, isn't it? And so um, I hope this gives you guys something to think about as you move into the work week and start planning for your next interrogations uh, or interviews. And um, yeah, I'm going to post some more stuff uh, as soon as I can, talking about some new stories that I've come up with. And I hope that you understand the purpose of what those stories are. Okay. And if you don't, shoot me an email and I will see if I can clarify. So be safe out there. See y'all next time.